Uh, find for me an animal. Okay, hang on. I wish Max. to see a furry child. Bring me Max. Right. Bring, bring me Maxwell. I shall bring him forward. It's First off, it's Maximilian. And secondly, Max! Uh, my apologies. <laughs> I want to see my little boy. <gasps> He's here! He is here. I took him from Henry's lap. He's mad at me. <laughs> he looks pretty pissed. <laughs> oh, Max. Max. You there deserve better. Look at their face. Hey, buddy. It's been a while, right. Max. Oh, <laughs> no. He's really he is, sweet. He's really not into being in my lap right now. He you would like to him, go back to Henry. But you picked him up and he like, kind of like, Ugh, and then he bonk, like put his head like against your arm. <laughs> like, yes. if this is what we're doing, then I'm here. That's my sweet boy. My sweet boy. Now he's just sitting by my chair like, what happened? <laughs> Why did you do this to me? Yeah, Morgana is all curled up in a pile on the couch. She's got a really cute face. She does have a cute face. She's got that little, that little, little cheeky smile. Yeah. She looks like she doesn't know what's going on. <laughs> She's <Ever>. always confused. <laughs> yep. All right, what we're, we're doing tonight? Uh, so we're gonna talk about tone scope and power scale. And we're I have bringing a, whole a lot of bringing a lot of energy to, s- to it. Yeah, I got a whole lot to say about this. And this may be either a long episode or an episode that becomes a two-part episode. Mm-hmm. Oh, but first, where are my manners? Welcome to bonus experience. Oh, we're starting this right now. Okay, welcome <laughs> to bonus experience. <laughs> come in, come in. Please, Hi, please welcome. take your shoes off first. Come you don't in, mind. sit down. And have a seat. Um, we're yeah. a podcast with a deeper look at the play experience and the finer details of running and writing games. Hey, and we are also queer women speaking with authority about those games. Also, just to let you know, we do swear and you um, can and die we, mad about it. Yeah, we'd like you to die mad about it. If you would. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I'm Ray. I'm an industry unprofessional. I'm the I'm the whole, I'm the casual Friday of the of oh. the show. <laughs> and I'm uh monica i am the industry professional uh and the lawful butch power suit of lawful this. butch i like yes. that have, have you not seen that meme god that makes me like hard chaotic futch though like when i think okay, about well, it all right first off i'm gonna find that meme and send it to you <laughs> and secondly okay, okay. Uh, let's get into this topic um, which today is going to be a discussion on tone scope and power scale and how those things relate to each other tone scope um, and power scale yeah. What? It's kind of a big topic. Yeah, that's uh, a lot to cover. Yeah, like, uh, sort of like the um, long campaigns episode. This is going to be a lot of me talking, so. <laughs> and I'll be here too. So, okay, let's talk about what we mean when we say tone and scope and power scale. Okay, so let's start with tone, since that's first on the outline. Yeah. Um, and I would define tone as the attitude and atmosphere the players should get from reading your game. Now, this is talking about from a design standpoint, um, but we'll also get it. Tone is also important when you're running the game, too, because it's also the atmosphere and attitude of the game as you're running it. 
Um, is it comedic? Is it uplifting? Does it tackle heavy subjects? Um, genre also really plays heavily into this, as there are certain tone expectations that go along with genre games. Um, for example, one expects a horror game to convey a scary and or dark tone. Okay, right. right. Um, but, like, horror comedy is also certainly a thing. Yeah. Black, or black comedy. Black comedy, yeah. Yeah. Uh, an action game can be just about anything. Uh, and then you get to something like, what is the tone of a D&D game? Hmm. Right? Hmm. <laughs> uh, so it's important when you have something, especially something like a D&D game, um, that you establish what you mean your tone to be at the beginning. Um, but also if you are a designer writing a game specifically, it is also really important to establish through your writing, through your fiction, and through your mechanics, like what this game is about. Some games are about heavy things. Um, and some aren't, and that is oh, both of those are completely valid. But but your your writing should convey that to the reader. So someone isn't reading a game about like struggling with gender dysphoria, for example, uh, and you intend it to be serious, but your writing conveys it as funny. Yeah, then you get a little bit of a a mood whiplash in your own writing. Would you say that um, voice found in like like fiction or like narrative writing has a lot to do with tone in game writing. Yeah, I think I think you're onto something there. Yeah, yeah, am I? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, that's about as far as that thought went. But yeah, I think you're onto hey! something. There. <laughs> hey, <laughs> and it ended. Okay, and well, it. all right. How about scope then, smarty pants? All right. I think I would define scope as the narrative reach of your game. Um, and this, again, is also something to consider when you are writing that game um, and designing it. Like, is this a game of world-spanning action? Like Exalted, for example. Um, uh, is it a more personal drama? Does it do both? Um, the more, the, the wider your scope gets or the more dials you put on your game's scope, uh, the more complicated it can become to design for it. Unless it's uh, a game like Microscope, scope. where mm -hmm. the scope is like the whole point of the game. Exactly. Microscope <laughs> is literally scope the game. Right. I mean, it's, you know, right right there. Yeah. It's right in, there in, in the, the title. In the name. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Microscope can also have a variety of different tones, too. Um, but what Microscope doesn't do, because it is literally scope the game, is let you have like a character arc. Yeah, you may at some yeah. point play. Be, a, you may at some point play a character, but it would be very hard to pick one character to follow through a microscope. I guess unless there was like a leg. I don't know. That's this is not a microscope podcast. Although that would be a great podcast. <laughs> yeah. So like my point is simply that. Microscope is specifically designed to zoom in and out scope-wise, intentionally. That is how the game is built. Um, and it does that at the expense of other mechanics that other games might have. Right. Um, it would be very difficult to emulate that sort of a scope change in other systems because they specifically aren't built for it. Yeah. Um, and things like um, Apocalypse World is very much about like personal issues and personal drama. It's not really about the big world. It's about scarcity and struggles and, uh, you know, 
like the sex moves and stuff are all about power and interpersonal play. Right. So AW does its scope on a personal level or a com- up to a community level because like you interact with other people around you and whatnot. I think it's about as big as it gets, though, is like a like a hold would be like the broadest your scope could get in Apocalypse World. Yeah, you're probably going from hold to hold to hold if you're if you are traveling around your your game's world. And and then that would be specifically running a game about moving from place to place. And and Apocalypse World going back to tone actually does a really good job of establishing its tone of like kind of grungy seriousness with just a, a sprinkling of black humor on top of it uh through the writing of its playbooks, through the way it shapes its mechanics. Um and like the way characters deal with getting hurt and how they can spend the resources and all that. That's yeah. I think it's a really good example of both of those things. Yeah, Apoc- Apocalypse World and and probably Blades in the Dark, I think would be my two go-to examples for like these are excellent these are excellent uh supplements, I guess. These are excellent books that like really establish their tone right away. I mean, we can also talk about how Exalted has a problem with these things. Yeah, of course we could. <laughs> That's like an our exalted podcast again. Uh, someday we're gonna just have to do the exalted episode. Just a whole episode on exalted. Just a whole episode on exalted. <sighs> it's coming, isn't it? It's inevitable. All right. So while we're talking about exalted, how about we mention power scale? Well, speaking of things that are <laughs> <laughs> actually. Of everything, Exalted has its power scale down pretty well. Yeah, that's true. It's kind of, like, baked into it. Yeah. Um, power scale is, I would define as being the thing that characters, player characters are capable of. Um, from, like, are they dirt farmers and big pokers, or are they superheroes and demigods? Uh, is the game about the enormity of success, which is a thing I'm going to get into a little bit later, or about the consequences of failure? Note that a game can have consequences of fa- for failure and still be about the enormity of success. <laughs> exalted um, <laughs> and like power scale also isn't can someone min max opportunistic munchkin a character that'll just steamroll every encounter ever um, that is uh, a function of the game's core systems breaking down on you mm-hmm. I think mm, we've covered mm. that before too yeah we sure have <laughs> I don't I don't need to retread that here uh, we uh, Margaret, insert a reference to the correct episode. <laughs> It'll be like a computer voice. Beep. Episode Beep. seven. Beep. <laughs> um, I'm going to use Apocalypse World as another example where like they're just Apocalypse World characters might have cool and weird powers like uh, the brainer um, and I think there's one of the other like supplemental playbooks that also has sort of like a weird, strange power to it. Um, Blades also a good example, like the um, like the whisper. Yes, yeah. that's that what I was. The, the whisper has some weird stuff. Uh, the was it the skulk? Whoever, which which one's the the weird alchemist? The leech. The leech, yes, also has some weird powers too. But but these characters don't cast like vastly world-changing magic spells they don't they can but it's uh, very difficult they can but it's very di- right 
Right, they can, but it's very difficult, yeah, which, it's, which frames power scale pretty It's neatly. an extra system as opposed to something that all characters have available to right. them. But from the way Blades and Apocalypse World are presented, uh, the intention is that your characters will deal with personal drama, they will deal with struggles in their community, uh, they, uh, in Apocalypse World they will deal with scarcity and they will fight for resources, uh, and in Blaze they will, you know, heist something. They will steal from important people or sell things to important people and will be... And they'll have to deal with, like, you know, diplomacy or faction wars amongst, like, all the different people in their tier. Right. And and it has the tier system built in uh, so that you your characters slowly grow in power scale. Right. Okay. Right. So, tone, scope, yeah. power scale. Power scale. That's what we're yeah. talking about. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so why why are we doing a whole episode on tone, scope, and scale? Like, what's the big I'm, deal? I mean... I mean, I kind of talked about this a little bit when I was defining these terms, but they're all three things that are really important for you as a game designer. And I guess you as a GM, too. I mean, I'm going to talk about game design stuff. Maybe you can jump in as I'm explaining this to you on the I, GM I think these, side of things. these three things, absolutely, as a GM, you have to consider. Especially if you're going to go into a game like D&D, which is such a broad, like... Across all three of these categories, you could have a and d game like on either end of the spectrum for all three dials. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get on my design scope, scope box. Woo! I've barely had half this beer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get on my design soapbox for a hot second uh, and talk about why it's important for a game designer to understand these three things. Um, First of all, it is a foundational building block for how the game's math should approach frequency and magnitude of success, which is a lot of big words to say big number feel good, big success feel good, small number feel less good. <laughs> like big numbers, many dice make clack sounds. <laughs> Shiny, good for collect. <laughs> Want big success. Make, make brain feel happy. Exalted, many dice. <laughs> Um, when I was working on uh, a bunch of the core systems for Scion it was a lot of mechanical heavy lifting to make small number feel like big number Uh, because uh, Scion actually story path actually has really small dice pools like they're they're world of darkness new world of darkness now chronicles of darkness size dice pools so like six six dice is like whoa big spender yeah yeah Um, and it uses the same basic math so eight uh, tens reroll, but uh, we were designing for Scion, which needs to make players feel like demigods. Uh, so one of the mechanics that I implemented um, when I was writing the Knacks was that um, enhancement is a thing. So basically, in Story Path, you roll, you build up successes, you spend successes to do shit, um, and a bunch of stuff in Knacks both breaks the rule that enhancement applies after you roll. So okay. you get a whole bunch of successes going in, and then a couple other knacks let you spend momentum, which is the community pool that you charge up by failing and some other things, uh, to double the effect of any enhancement you have. So by buying into knacks, your demigod automatically has these abilities to like suddenly rack up tremendous successes. Uh, because game feel is a thing, y'all. It's important. Um, you know that how that amazing feeling you get? 
when you roll 11 fuck billion dice <laughs> and then hit like 20 successes in Exalted. Yes. Yes. That's what that's what I'm talking about when I mean game feel. Game um, feel. Yeah, it's really important. Game feel is super important. Um, sometimes, sometimes a rule in a game is perfectly balanced. It works just fine, but it feels like shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, people hate it. Uh, even though it's balanced, even though it works, um, I can now freely talk about the Malifaux 3rd Edition beta, and there was a lot of that that happened in there, where, like, people being like, this feels like crap, and I'm like, I can identify why, most of you can't, because that's my job, and it's not most <laughs> of your jobs. You have the language <laughs> to, like, describe why it's wrong. Yeah, uh, and some of those things people were like, this feels bad, is just, it was perfectly balanced, um, but, like... If it doesn't have that good sensation, that good game feel, sometimes it feels like crap. And sometimes if you're a designer, you got to change it because people don't enjoy playing with that rule because it feels like poop. Yeah. That's got to so, that's got to be a weird experience though from the design point of like this rule is perfectly functional and it serves a purpose and I've balanced it and there's nothing wrong with this rule. It just doesn't feel right. Yep. It's just not it just doesn't I just don't like it. <laughs> it's got to be yeah. just a weird, well, we got to throw the whole rule out. It just don't work. Sometimes you just have to rephrase it a little bit um, mm -hmm. or massage it a little bit to get mm -hmm. it to feel better, to polish those hard edges off. Kind of flavor um, it a bit. Kind of flavor it a bit and then toss it back out, repackage it, and then often people are like, oh yeah, it's fine now. Do you um, mean like nudges like mathematically or like just you, like literally just use different different language to describe the rule yes oh okay yeah that's fair <laughs> yes sometimes the answer to that is yes uh mm, excuse me sometimes it could be a case as simple as like oh i was making this be a penalty to something mm -hmm. like a, a penalty to an enemy role when mathematically it would be just the same as if it were a bonus to my attack role or something mm -hmm. and if i just flip it people like the way that feels better yeah, okay, I could see that. Yeah, right. That makes Sometimes sense. it's literally something that simple where you're like, well, people hate the feel of giving out a penalty rather than a bonus to myself. Uh, and if it's the same statistically, I'll just flip it. And people like it better. And okay. I imagine that also ties into the tone of your game, right? Like, yeah, yes. Yeah. Also, sometimes that tone matters. So, like, if you're trying to create a sense of tension or, like whatever that negative penalty to an opponent's dice pool or roll might be like the way that makes you feel when you're using it might be really important to the way you establish your, the, the feeling, um, the tone of your game mm -hmm. and okay. maybe also the scope. All right. <laughs> so to keep going with this, uh, if your game is a low fantasy setting about the struggles of common folk who are not necessarily larger than life heroes, you probably don't want your mathematical probability trending towards huge success. Mm -hmm. Right. Makes yeah. sense. <laughs> uh, by the same token, if your game is about world-shaking god heroes, you probably don't want to leave all the results to the swingy d20 where you have an equal chance of a 20 is a 1. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, look I'm looking at you, godbound. <laughs> <laughs> i mean i'm throwing a little shade at godbound which is actually a game i really enjoy playing um it does a great job but it does lack some of that big number exalted feel <laughs> many dice <laughs> make good feeling brain release the good brain juice 
That's what I'm here for. <laughs> That's what I'm bringing to the table today. <laughs> good brain juice? That good brain juice. Mm, delicious brain slimes. Now that I've uh, pontificated a little bit about like game feel and how to approach that in your design, you want to riff maybe a little bit about how to approach it from a running perspective or even from a homebrew perspective because wanting to shift any of those things in a particular game is also important to, to creating your own hack. Uh, so d- dealing with like changes you need to make to modify the feel of a game. Um, there was a, there was a point when I was planning a modern setting D and D game. And I think just saying that out loud, it's probably obvious that you need to make a couple of changes to sort of update the feel of D and D. If you're going to, if you're going to have a game that takes place in like a quasi 21st century setting, but you're bringing with it the trappings of like, you know, classes and magic and a bunch of different, you know, demi-human races and some that are quite monstrous. You, you kind of have to update it, not just for like, oh, well, there might be guns and smartphones, but also like culturally, like in the 21st century, we don't believe in like whole races of things being unquestionably evil. So now it's like, okay, well, I'm going to take out, I took out alignments for the, for the, uh, for the modern D and D thing. Cause it didn't feel, it didn't feel like a modern setting thing anymore to have a, a lawful, like a whole race of things that are like neutral evils. Like that's bullshit. They're all, everybody's just neutral until proven otherwise. Um, I had to deal with also like throwing in some extra cultural things about certain types of magic have to be licensed or they're just completely off limits because, this is a more nuanced society now and we don't go around charming people all the time and, um, you know, stuff like that. Um, so I'm going to send you that meme um, and then we should uh, take a little mid-episode Yeah, break, send huh? me that meme when we go to break. Okay. Where's this meme? Send it to me. Alright, I'm working on it. Give me that meme right now. I'm gonna have a Snickers. This episode not brought to you by Snickers. BXP! Hey! In the mid-episode break. It's us! We're at the mid-episode break. I'm having a Snickers yeah, bar. Ow. Brought to you. Yeah, oh, okay. No. That bite sounded like a bite. Good job. <laughs> okay. Uh, What's going on? Are brought to you. We're the BXP in the mid-episode break room are brought to you by the Misdirected Mark Network. Oh, yeah. Those guys are great. They're great. I like hanging out with them. I like hanging out with them, too. I don't know if you guys know, but if you, like, become a patron of the Misdirected Mark Network on their Patreon, you get access to their patron Slack channel, which means you get to hang out with them. And you get to hang out with us. If you wanted to... Yeah, we're in there. Yeah, I'm in there sometimes. And perpetually bored at work, so I'm in there all the time. And then I just sent you that meme. Uh, ah. So, uh, as always, um, buy us some coffee, help keep the lights on. Uh, and if you'd rather something more tangible, uh, all the products I've worked on and that our guests have been pro- have produced... <laughs> I did write have been produced. Boy. are on They're on our website, on the How to Give Us Money page. Uh, we put up all the stuff... Um, Liam Ginty's stuff from Sandy Pug Games is on there. Mm-hmm. Um, Dana and Hamish's stuff um, yep. is all on there too. And 
the Metal World Rough Cut is also up there. Yep. Yep. Uh, and we are going to be launching a merch page. Oh, I'm kind of excited I mean, about this, I'm, actually. I'm going to get the... I'm going to get the logo stuff out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the sooner. logo stuff is, that looks great. But we have a bit of a surprise coming for our yes, birthday. We, we have some really cool stuff coming. For I keep seeing, I keep seeing little like mock-ups of it and I'm very excited. <laughs> uh, BXP will be launching a Patreon on March 5th. Yeah, we are. Uh, that's our, that's, that's our, our pod birthday. birthday. Yeah. yeah. Birthday. Uh, and if you are a patron, you can look forward to hilarious bonus content. Featuring us meandering off topic, uh, mm-hmm. outtakes Margaret cut from the show, mm-hmm. homebrew design sessions. Yes. And if you guys hit one of our goals, an actual play. Yes, it's true. I finally got the go ahead. <laughs> yes, she wore me down. But we gotta but we gotta make a certain goal on the Patreon before we'll actually like commit to it. Because actual plays take a lot of work and we're both busy people with like multiple jobs. And some of us have children. So we need a little, you know, we need a little support if we're going to pull off something like that. But I think it'll be really fucking cool. And um, maybe if we're lucky, we could try to get a surprise appearance from Margaret. I don't know. I I don't know. I mean, she doesn't do a whole lot of work. It's really hard to get a hold of her. (laughs) Yeah, she doesn't. She doesn't want to be on the mic. Yeah, she's got a whole thing. Yeah, 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 it's a mess. Um, also patrons will get access to like our outlines to see all the stuff we're planning to talk about in future episodes. Usually I have, I contribute to that. <laughs> Usually I am on the outline as well, but, uh, sometimes I just fuck right off, <laughs> but that's fine because Monica really is the brains of that whole outfit. So all I really contribute are like funny emoji faces and some weird jokes. That's, that's not true. Uh, but you will be able to enjoy seeing that. And if you tune in at the right time during the workday, Eastern Standard Time, you might see me working on it. Um, <laughs> uh, BXP will be previewing patron-only content every week in February. Uh, so if you like what you hear, please consider becoming a patron. Yeah, every every week next month, we're going to have a, here's a sneak peek of what you could get if you become a patron in March. So keep an eye on our Twitter feed. We'll probably retweet it like a couple of times a day just to make sure everybody can get a hold of it. Um, But we want to give you guys like the demo package before you decide to give us a dollar a month or whatever tier we end up going with. I'm fine with beginning tiers at a dollar a month. I, yeah. It counts. I, yeah. I actually, I decided one of my New Year's resolutions is I want to start Patreon, patronizing other Patreons for creators that I really appreciate. So, and honestly, having that dollar tier is awesome because I know I'm helping, but it's also not like breaking the bank. It's just like a little bit, just a little bit here and there. Yeah. Yeah. So if you can't afford to be a regular patron, uh, don't worry. You'll still be able to buy us coffee, um, buy mm-hmm. our products and buy our merch. Yeah. And yeah. we tr- truly appreciate any and all support. If you love BXP, you'll definitely like this other Misdirected Mark show. Uh, the Misdirected Mark! Oh, itself. hell! <laughs> hey! <laughs> uh, Chris, Phil, and Bob go live every Tuesday evening at 8.45 Eastern to break down and get inside games, game mastering, playing games, and game design in an effort to entertain and inform you. That's a live show, y'all! That's not like yeah, this pre-recorded, it... Margaret-edited bullshit. That's the real <laughs> deal. It is the real deal. 
Uh, and uh, Chris and I are snooty about all the same things. So yeah. if you like BXB, you'll really enjoy that too. If you like you're a perfect, if you like opinionated people, you should check them out. <laughs> I'm true neutral, by the way, which is BS because that should be Futch. <laughs> okay, true Futch. Chaotic Futch is good too, though. I was talking about game feel earlier, which is such a weird thing to quantify. But yeah, we'll talk about tone, scope, and scale from the Game Master point of view. That you got to get your tone right as soon as you can. Um, I myself have fallen victim to this before, where I don't get my tone squared away for my players. And what I intended to be slightly serious or a game of like drama and intrigue ends up being sort of comedic. Um, ends up having characters brought to the table that didn't really fit the experience that I had in mind because I wasn't clear enough about what I was looking for as far as tone, as far as, you know, what what sort of, like, flavor of game they could expect. And this is, especially, this is especially important for games like D&D, where there's not really a tone baked into it. You can kind of go all over the place with your D&D game. You can get really self-important pretentious high fantasy or you could get really silly like self-parody fantasy like D is kind of tone agnostic i guess um scope is scope is a weird thing because we've we've talked about this before actually we we were talking about what level to start a character at in D D. was that what you were asking me about um, wh- is that why I was asking you about that? No, I, I was asking you about that because it came up in the Mistrack and Mark Slack chat. And, um, I had a whole thing about starting at level one and our assumptions about level yeah. one. And yeah. then I was just trying to feel out whether or not you had enough capital O opinions to maybe fill out a whole episode. <laughs> <laughs> I have some lowercase O opinions, but it goes game by game. Because a lot okay. of games are really good at knowing what their scope is and you don't have to adjust any dials or or it tells you exactly how to adjust the dials to get the sort of scope that you're looking for we talked about microscope before where you can like you pull in and pull out like at any point microscope could be a game about the epics of this one point like this one theme of history all the way down to you know deciding why one character made the choice they did at this point in history but when you get to games like, again, like Apocalypse World, or I'll just, I'll pick another flavor just because we've been talking about Apocalypse World a lot, say Monster of the Week, the scope is pretty clear. The scope is you are a group of normal, well, mostly normal people trying to fight a single monster and stay alive. And there might be more at stake, like it might be, maybe the town is in danger, or maybe this is the, you know, the series finale and you're, you know, doing a supernatural style game and the whole world might fall to pieces if these, you know, certain people don't defeat the one monster. But it's pretty clear about it from the get-go. Like, you are normal dudes. You might have some cool weapons, maybe one or two cool, like, abilities, but you're normal dudes fighting a single monster. Um, again, with D&D, you can go all over the fucking place with this because it goes from, like, level one where... Like, a couple swarms of rats could really give you a hard fucking time. All the way up to level 20, where it's like, you're basically gods now, I think. Like, you can start fight- you can start literally fighting gods at level 20. 
so you have to with certain games figure out what what your scope is going to be and come at that hard um especially with games like D D, um i don't even like starting at level one because it's so small and it's so annoying to because at level one you don't even have like your cool shit yet like most classes don't get their cool like class defining things until like level two or level three at most was i talking about scope when i meant scale um no i well, wasn't scale. we're talking about all three of them kind of blends together when it comes to yeah, yeah so i mean scope versus scale again D&D. <laughs> I'm shitting all over Dungeons and Dragons. Scope I mean, and scale, it's pretty easy to shit on. Scope and scale sort of blend together in D&D, don't they? Because once you get up to the higher levels, you're naturally going to be affecting a broader yeah, scope. Yeah, actually, and to, just... to say something good about D&D, uh, it's... And and it's it's D and D alikes, especially ones that that go to big scales. Mm-hmm. Um, as its power level <laughs> gradually increases, like as you go to, um, as you as you level up, like the things you do get bigger, and the things you are capable mm-hmm. of doing also get bigger. Yeah. So like you would expect, like near epic level characters to be doing things like dealing with kingdoms or whole continents and fighting gods and fighting the moon and uh, a star whatever not the moon specifically um and like kickboxing stars and punching (laughs) clouds yeah and and things that are big like that and then they have the ability to do so so like actually one of the things it does particularly well is its power scale and its scope progressing together so i wonder then if the error exists between the book and the chair like, it's not so much that D&D's power scale is crazy. It's that a lot of people don't actually adjust the scope of their game to match the scale that their players are currently at. I mean, that is almost certainly the case. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the problem exists in the book itself. Yeah. Frequently, the problem exists between book and chair. <laughs> Anyway, Game Masters, it's important to understand tone, scope, and scale. Just trust me on this one. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, can, it's all right here in the outline. <laughs> yeah, people can get frustrated if a game claims to be heroic and then characters can't succeed at anything. Yes. Oh, I've seen it happen. It's the worst. Um, and uh, uh, maybe we ought to talk briefly. We're not very good at talking briefly uh, about that. Remember when we had that text conversation about how you and I really don't actually like this themes of scarcity in a, in Apocalypse World? Yes. Yeah. I mean, that was, <laughs> we that were was like, literally we like... Do th- like running Apocalypse World? It's like, hmm, no, I love the game, but I can't personally handle, like, the really, really heavy themes that are in Apocalypse World. Yeah, well, we had this whole conversation about how, like, you and I are not really into that heavy theming. Um, and it's really important, I think, to understand yourself, both as a GM and a player and a game designer. Um, and, and having that understanding helps you keep the tone and scope of your personal games where it needs to be. Absolutely. If, if there is a specific tone or feeling that you don't feel comfortable running, or even that it could just simply be, I just don't have the head for it. I wouldn't be very good at that. I mean, knowledge is power. Um, power is strength, and strength 
is being able to lift a chair without any help. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well so done. Well what happens when uh, tone and scope and scale, what happens when those break down? How can we actually like troubleshoot it and then bring it back into alignment with what we wanted? Or is this even really a problem? Should you not even worry about it? I mean, as I previously noted, if it breaks down, it can cause problems for your table and can lead to a bad time. Um, like the motto of our show, the best way to deal with this is to change it if you want to. Change it if you want to. Yeah. Um, as for power scale, I, I personally rarely consider breaking it in the too powerful sense a problem, but I know that's entirely personal taste. Um, yeah, I am power actually, scale is, you know, I, power scale can get fractal for me. Yeah, for Honestly. real. Like it's like, oh, uh, they can't. Oh, they went to fight this dragon and they totally killed this dragon. All right, well now they're fighting the gods of dragon, the god of the dragons. Okay, well they fought the god of dragons and now they killed that. And now they're too powerful. Okay, well now they're fighting the very concept of dragon itself. When they defeat this, people won't even be able to use the word dragon. Like just, just keep fucking just, just and logging it, man. Eventually they're throwing universes at each other. Like just keep it yeah. going. And also, I guess no one to stop. Yeah, no one to stop. Yeah. No one to stop. Um, like, people may be riding high on the idea of destroying the concept of dragons, but maybe after that, there's nowhere else left to go. And maybe, so it's time yeah, to, maybe time at to end that the point game. you retire the game. And honestly, like, it's... I can count on one hand the number of games that we've actually, like, ended. And I've been able to we say, like, <laughs> the character retired to safety, or the character became a goddess or the character died defending like that that's pretty good too honestly like if you're coming up against like oh everybody got too powerful just start thinking of a cool way to end your game and then on to the next one yeah i mean i'm i'm actually approaching this right now in my through the breach game as the characters are growing steadily more powerful which was the intent and i started them a little bit more powerful than they normally are because i'm always trying to break that upper end mm -hmm. <laughs> um and uh they've already killed uh, a major canon character um and they have a a violent beef with another one and they're probably going to kill him too and then <laughs> the player characters will have the opportunity to take his place because his death is going to create a power vacuum I mean, scheduling may destroy the game before then, but we've been going pretty strong for a year and a half, so... Damn, really? Uh, no, I'm bad at oh, time. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think not they really. Have, I think it's been a year. That's, like, you deserve, like, a, like a little trophy. Thanks. Maybe a nice hat. Uh, I will put it... I'll put the trophy on my completed games trophy rack. Do you have one of those? I should, but I don't. Oh. Just get you one. Okay. Maybe that's just, uh, like merch we can offer. I completed a game trophy. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like that. Uh, all right. That. Um, we'll put it on our, when we launch our Patreon, we will um, have a stretch goal where we get Nino Studios to design us an I completed a game thing that we will make available as like a sticker. <laughs> I like it. It's got to be a gold star if it's going to be okay. a sticker. Yeah. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding either. You think <laughs> okay. this is a game? <laughs> All right. All right, cool. So All right. where can you find the show? BXPcast.com, part of the Misdirected Mark Network. Yeah. You yeah. can email us at bonusexpcast at gmail.com. You can tweet us at 
bonus exp cast we're on twitter (laughs) (laughs) um you can tweet me at ray underscore cole and you can tweet me at zenith sun oh you're still going no i I finished it i did my thing and then i was done all right that's cool Uh, then everybody get out all right i'm ready to go all right cool change it if you want to change it if you want to Thanks for listening. Bonus Experience is written and produced by Monica and Ray. Our cover art and logo are by Nino Studios. Our theme song is Reuse Noise with the Light by CDK and is used under the attribution non-commercial creative commons license. This podcast confers the benefits of a long rest. We'll see you next time.